Hi, and welcome to Weird Times, a podcast about mental health during COVID-19, brought to you by Hard Feelings. I'm Kate Scallon, a social worker in private practice and the founder of Hard Feelings, a small nonprofit social enterprise located in Toronto. We run a retail storefront and rent space to counselors in private practice who offer low-cost counseling. Together, our community builds access to supports and dialogue around mental health. Check us out on Instagram at hardfeelingsto or on our website at www.hardfeelings.org. In this podcast, we're going to talk specifically about mental health during COVID times, or what I've been simply referring to as weird times, because really this is just weird. And it's also generating a lot of hard feelings. We've had to close our storefront and move our work online. We're missing you and the conversations we were having in person. Since we can't be together, we want this podcast to be a space that builds community with compassion and care for what you're going through now. It's not meant to replace a therapy session, but we hope it can help you in other ways by providing information and insights and by sharing stories of how others are struggling and coping. We're going to chat with mental health professionals and hear from listeners about how they're getting through these weird times. Today, we're going to talk about single session counseling. Some of the counselors in our community of practice have shifted their work to offer online, low-cost, single session counseling. They're doing this to be able to support more people during these challenging times. Single session counseling is different than ongoing therapy, and today we're going to learn more about it. For some, one session is enough. For many, it's all that we have access to right now through free services or what we can afford in fee-based counseling. Tyna Mabry is joining us today to chat a bit about single session therapy, what it is, what it's not, and what the benefits and challenges can be. Tyna is part of the community of practice at Hard Feelings. She's been offering single session counseling for several years as a volunteer at a shelter in downtown Toronto. She holds a Master of Social Work from McGill University and works full-time in the youth care sector. Tyna is also the founder of The Most Nurtured, which creates community-based wellness initiatives exclusively by and for Black women, femmes, non-binary in Toronto. These initiatives currently include yoga, meditation, and mental health workshops. You can learn more about that by following their Facebook or Instagram at The Most Nurtured or visiting their website at www.themostnurtured.com. Welcome, Tyna. Hi. Hi, Kate. Happy to be here. Thanks for joining us today. How are you doing in these weird times? <laughs> weird uh, is exactly the word. Um, I'm just trying to... I work from home now for my main job, which I know is a privilege and luxury right now. Um, and I'm just trying to work within my control to do what I can to cope. And sometimes that just involves uh, remembering to put deodorant on in the morning. Right. It's all the little things. Yeah. Whatever you need to do to get by. So, Tyna, we're going to talk a little bit about single session therapy today, because that's something that I think a lot of people might not understand what it is, what the benefits and challenges might be. Um, and you have a lot of experience offering single session therapy, and you led some trainings for the counselors in the community of practice at Hard Feelings on this issue, and just wanted to chat with you and, you know, help sort of talk about some things that people may have questions about, starting with just the basics, like what is single session therapy? Absolutely. Uh, and I think that's a really good question because... Um, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. Um, there are some things that are the same as long-term therapy, but there are definitely a few distinct differences. Um, so I would start off by saying that there is 
no one uh, theoretical approach for single session therapy, uh, but there are a number of guiding um, assumptions or principles. Um, the main one being, of course, that the therapist and the client approach the therapy session as though it will likely be the only one. Um, in some settings, there is room for potentially to have another one, um, but the approach initially is that this is the first and last meeting. Um, single session therapy is also meant to, to some degree, uh, to be in reaction or a solution um, for barriers which make mental health services less accessible or desirable. Uh, so you may see features with single session therapy that are meant to increase accessibility. Um, so things like low or no fee or sliding scale, um, clients who are not required to have a health card or any form of ID to access services. Um, you may not need to be a client of the agency that is providing the services. Uh, you might also see a shorter intake, no wait list, and uh, services provided on a first-come, first-served basis. Um, you'll also see a tendency more within the therapy uh, to rely more on the client's existing skill set and knowledge uh, to address any presenting concerns. Um, and the accountability is placed more on the client to take what they've learned and apply it to life because the therapist won't be along the road with you to provide ongoing collaboration. So it's about what can we do right now that you can take with you after the session, because that's where the important work happens. So it's really about trying to help people connect with their own kind of inner strengths and resilience, the coping mechanisms that they've maybe used before in their lives um, and sort of for whatever reason, have, have not been able to tap into that and helping them sort of recognize it and, and kind of use that in the current situation? Absolutely. It's, it's a lot about focusing on those, as you said, inner strengths and resilience that maybe even a client doesn't recognize that they have uh, and asking those open-ended questions to kind of figure out what those coping skills there are and to give them the confidence that those are skills that can be used in the future. So um, what kind of issues are, you know, appropriate to bring to single sessions? So what kinds of things does a single session of therapy work for? Good question. Um, I would say, and I will preface, that single session does have kind of that vibe of goal-oriented and what can we do now to help you in the future. Uh, but there are definitely, there definitely is the opportunity where a therapist can just sit and hold space for you, um, for your feelings, and you can use this truly as a space to just release emotionally and that there aren't specific follow-ups. Um, and it's more about that mutual understanding and expectation that a client has with their counselor at the beginning so that they both understand that this is what the point of the session is for. Um, so it can be used definitely for those who have specific presenting problems and concerns, um, as well as those who going in understand that it might just be to release their feelings. Perhaps they don't have anyone else that they can um, vent to, and they simply just want to feel heard and seen. 
And that feels particularly relevant right now, I think, for a lot of people during these weird times as we're all self-isolating and physically distancing. There may be a lot of things that are coming up for people um, that they just need an opportunity to have a safe place to have a conversation, feel heard and held, and, and sort of maybe get some support around tapping into those inner strengths and coping mechanisms. Is there anything you think it's uh, that a single session of therapy uh, would not be appropriate for? Is there anything that's not meant for single session therapy? Definitely. Um, and I will as well say that not every single approach to therapy fits everyone. So similarly, single session therapy might not fit for some people the way other therapeutic approaches um may or may not fit for you as well. Um, so single session therapy is not a crisis line. Um, and depending on your organizational uh, policies, it is discouraged in terms of those who are actively suicidal um, to use uh, single session therapy. And there is a difference between being actively suicidal and using self-harm as a coping mechanism. Um, but it is definitely um, not necessarily the place where you will get the most appropriate services. Um, I would also say, uh, especially during this time, there are those who really need specific support and want questions answered about things like employment benefits claims or OW and ODSP policies or maybe uh, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. Um, but this is not the space for that. This is the space for emotion-focused um, emotion focused exploration, um, a safe space to um, kind of explore that side of yourself rather than where are some services and what is my eligibility for them. Right, because a lot of those services are, are free and online and whether, you know, counselors often will connect people with those resources, but the, the gist of the session is meant to be more about how are you feeling, how are you handling these challenges, how are you coping, and providing people with a space outside of family or friends um, who have, you know, some subjectivity to who you are and how you respond. So being able to speak with someone who's objective and not judgmental um, and warm and professionally trained to support your mental health. Definitely. Um, I would also add that um, for those who are dealing with things like incredibly complex trauma and feel that they cannot safely feel supported by a therapist unless they devote one whole session first to explaining maybe their family history or the history of a traumatic event before discussing things like coping strategies and support. This might not be the space only because you only have one session and perhaps you don't have the time fully to explain the background and also receive um, some connection around coping strategies and you leave the session feeling escalated. Um, and as well, I will say in terms of being in this very strange time that we're in, that there are many people who are going to truly feel the need to have single session therapy because of um, complexities related to COVID-19. So. 
for example, if you're dealing with uh, challenges related to disordered eating patterns, and now you feel triggered because of um, ideas about food and grocery stores, uh, this would be a space to connect. If you um, had maybe some uh, challenges around um, maybe a partner that you now have to physically distance with, um, this would be a safe space, as you've mentioned, where you're able to feel seen and heard and connect um, about something that's very important and concerning for you. Okay, so really, um, the gist of it is active suicidality outside of self-harm as a coping mechanism, which is a whole podcast episode in and of itself, um, and uh, sort of specific practical resource sharing. Those are those are not necessarily best suited to single session therapy or long term trauma. Um, complex trauma issues maybe not be well addressed in single session therapy. But outside of that, given these complex, weird times, um, a single session of therapy, it sounds like can be really helpful to get some perspective. And as we said before, kind of tap into your own strengths and resources. So if I'm a client, uh, kind of curious and, and deciding to reach out and schedule a single session with a counselor um, anywhere. Uh, what what can I expect in that session? What What's it going to be like? Can you talk us through that a little bit? Definitely. Um, so I would say kind of what we were uh, kind of uh, alluding to a bit before, um, you can expect someone who will connect with you, but may only focus on your past to a certain degree. Um, they'll focus on maybe what of your past is currently affecting your present and how can we um, leverage your strengths to make positive changes for your future. Um, you will encounter many of the same features as long t longer term therapy, uh, where you will have a qualified uh, counselor who is here to listen to you, to focus on your concerns and motivations for change, uh, and take into consideration your lived experience and identity. Uh, someone who is eager to understand, who may have an emphasis on goals or actions for the future, but is also here to sit and listen to you. Uh, you may hear questions as well, especially if there's an emphasis on um, your personal goals for a plan. Uh, you may hear questions like, what is one small change you would like to see happen by the end of our session? Or what are some strengths you have used in the past that might help you in your present situation? Um, so you'll hear those kind of open-ended, uh, non-judgmental questions, just trying to figure out um, what are you able to use right now for your future in a way that works for you? And you talked a little bit, Tina, there about identity, and, and you and I had chatted about that before, like figuring out how to bring your your own identity to the session, because that's a fairly complex issue um, for many people. So can you speak a little bit to that? Definitely. Um, and for me, that's definitely uh, a priority motivation. Myself, as a Black woman who is at Access Services myself, I always think, how can I represent myself in a way where I feel seen and heard? 
uh, and that my lived experience and my intersectional identities are truly taken into consideration. Um, and that is a question people have for both short and long-term therapy. And I, I could take a whole podcast uh, to kind of talk about what that looks like, especially um, for people of color. Um, but I would say in terms of that, um, sometimes that involves uh, pre-planning and even thinking about what specifically do I want my um, counselor to focus on um, and how can I highlight that. Um, it might also involve in the pre-planning looking specifically for therapists who maybe reflect your identity or asking them by email questions such as how does your experience, education, and training support people of my identity? What sort of experience do you have in doing this before? Um, during the session, uh, it can involve even asking your therapist to paraphrase. So if you've just explained something that I'm in my case might involve talking about a racialized microaggression, I might even ask my therapist, can you tell me what you think you heard me say? Can you tell me how you understood what I just said? Those are really, really important points. And I think, you know, that whole piece around preparing for a session, uh, there are so many different ways to prepare. And you talked, uh, mentioned a little bit um sort of preparing in a way that you are ensuring that uh, your identity is highlighted and the focus is there for the counselor. How, how would you prepare for that? Is that sort of like writing out a series of questions um, that you would want to uh, make sure you ask? Or how do you get a therapist to focus and highlight, um, focus on the things that are important to you based on your intersectionality and your identities? For some strategies I find are just kind of writing out for yourself in advance um, and just writing down um, certain aspects that are connected to your identity, be it your LGBTQ+, you come from a racialized identity, um, you're living with a disability. Um, there's many, many different uh, identities and intersections that this kind of touches on, but writing down those key things that you want your um, your counselor to know or to understand so that when you're in that session uh, and you touch on those things, uh, that those are those are the things you have in focus that they truly are understanding and are taking into consideration uh, when you're talking about strategies or when they even say things like, I hear you um, and I, I'm holding space for you. And really kind of asking them, you can even ask them back, like, what does that look like to you? What does that mean in terms of what you're taking into consideration of what I just said? Um, so being able to just be very upfront about those sort of things from the beginning, mm -hmm. um, because in single session therapy, you only have that hour. Um, so being able to be upfront and honest with your therapist um, about that, those specific parts of your identity is really important um, because it gives your therapist an opportunity um, to respond to that um, and also to provide you with that assurity that they have the experience, education, and training to support you and hold you. 
Yeah, and now, I mean, not only are we talking about single-session therapy, but right now this therapy is happening online um, or over the phone. Um, and that has, again, that could be its own podcast as well. We've got so many podcast ideas coming out of this conversation. Um, but that, you know, that throws another element into it of sort of, you know, feeling connected and, and understood and held by a therapist who is not across a room from you, but um, across the city from you on a screen in front of you. So, um, you know, um, thinking about that impact and, and those uh, different ways of connecting um, is also probably something to think about in there. So is there anything else, Tina, you think that is important for people to know about single session therapy, uh, online therapy, uh, these weird times that we're living in and um, that you want to sort of send us off with any kind of uh, thoughts or ideas or challenges? I would say that it's okay to reach out for help. It's we are really in a time where being able to connect with support uh, is incredibly important. Um, coping strategies, both large and small, so putting on deodorant in the morning to um, connecting with someone online um, or by uh, phone for a therapeutic relationship, those are all valid um, and incredibly important ways that we are able to um, get through this time both as individuals and as a community. Um, I think that this uh, pandemic has truly illustrated that even though we may think we live in isolation, that the impact of our interactions with each other are truly what at the end of the day shape us as individuals and as a society. Um, and it is that collective care and community care that we're able to provide for each other through mutual support um, that really is what makes a difference right now. So whatever you're able to tap into, big or small, when it comes to um, healing, recovering, um, creating a space where you can just breathe is valid, is important, is critical, and I really encourage everyone to reach out to what that looks like for them. Thanks, Tina. That is uh, so on point and important right now. I think that we're all um, really craving connection. And I think that sort of call to action around really reaching out um, and getting the support you need that's going to make things better for you is really, really important. So thanks so much for joining us today. I wish you could be here in the room with me instead of over the phone. Um, but hopefully we'll get back to that fairly soon. Absolutely. If you're interested in connecting with a counselor for a single session of online counseling through hard feelings, you can find out more about that on our website. If you're in crisis, please don't wait. Check the resource list on our website for some places you can connect with in Toronto or reach out to your local distress center or helpline. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll send us your questions to include in future episodes. Let us know what you're struggling with and how we might be of support to you. We're in this together and we're here to help. You can reach me at kate at hardfeelings.org. Weird Times is produced and edited by Rij Almi. It was recorded at the Dark Studio Sound Company in Toronto. Please note that this podcast is meant strictly for informational purposes and is not a substitute for mental health care from a regulated health professional. Stay tuned, stay well, 
and stay home. 